Hello and welcome to The Pickup Game. I'm your host, Tim Williams. This week is all about football. In our Super Bowl preview, Sports Talk Florida's Greg LaFountain joins me to talk about Matt Ryan's leap to the top, the remarkable run of the New England Patriots, and how this game might shape up against expectations. But first, we had to discuss the news about Buck's great John Lynch. The Hall of Fame finalist was hired on Sunday night to be the San Francisco 49ers general manager. Greg covered the article on Sports Talk Florida, so that's where we pick up. Gregory, when this news broke, what was the general reaction across the to, to a guy with no real front office experience getting this job? Yeah, well, like you said, it was everybody was kind of shocked. Um, like you said, he he uh, doesn't have any front office experience since he's retired. He's been on, you know, Fox, you know, as an analyst and kind of talking about the game and stuff like that. So he doesn't really have the business uh, side of uh, being a you know qualified general manager it it really came out of nowhere but there's two ways to look at it is he going to be like john elway i mean john elway did have some front office experience with you know go, uh, he was the gm over at the ufl but you know that's completely different than the nfl but at least he did have some some experience or is it going to be like matt millen for the detroit lions way back um, they went 0-16 when he was CEO, and he didn't have any experience. So, and, and you look at the players that he drafted, you know, Joey Harrington, Charles Rogers, Mike Williams, Roy Williams, players that didn't make it that far in the league, and they were all top 10 picks. So, it'll be interesting. You know, one thing that they do have in common between John Elway and uh, and John Lynch is uh, they're both Stanford guys, you know. So, I mean, they're, they're smart, but let's see what they can do once, you know, they have to make those tough decisions that uh, – GMs have to make. One of the big decisions that has to be made in San Francisco now is who is going to help John Lynch transition into this job. There have been a couple of names that have been rumored as possible assistants to John Lynch. One of them is very familiar to Bucks fans, although I'm not necessarily sure it's the most popular name in Tampa Bay, and that's Mark Tomic. Can Mark Dominic end up in San Francisco helping John Lynch transition to this job? Especially with him, uh, with John Lynch being a former Buck, that's very possible. Um, just like Lynch, you know, he's been in front of the camera the last few years. Uh, he's been on ESPN, uh, Mark Dominic, that is. Uh, so it's it's possible. He needs to surround himself with people that know what they're doing. And although he's not that popular, at least he does have experience. That's one thing that you can't take away from Mark Dominic. He does have experience. So. That's possible. Um, you know, like you mentioned, uh, he's going to be, looks like they're bringing in Kyle Shanahan. The tie between that is John Lynch played for his father, Mike Shanahan, when he was in Denver. So, and it looks like the both of them will be signed to a six-year deal because the uh, 49ers are one of those teams that believe that the GM and the coach should be, uh, have the same contract length, you know, that they're in it together. Um, they're going to either succeed together or they're going to fail together. So uh, we'll see, but yeah, Mark Dominic, it, it, like I said, it's not popular down here in Tampa, but, you know, it's not our team. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But he has to bring in, you know, somebody, you know, a right-hand man that knows what they're doing. The other candidate I've heard bandied about is Adam Peters, who's working with the Denver Broncos right now. And obviously Lynch has some ties to the Broncos as well. So, so that's definitely a possibility as well. But the first name that came out, and it was almost immediately – was Dominic, so I had to ask about that. Um, it, it might be an appropriate punishment to have Mark Dominic watch Michael Bennett destroy his quarterback two games a year, every year for a while. But, but on top of that, besides the challenges facing a first-time GM and a first-time head coach, the six-year deal on both ends is pretty remarkable, pretty unprecedented. Mm -hmm. But we also know in the NFL, contracts are only as good as the owners want want them to be. And Jed York has become a bit of a sticking point. Every 49ers fan I know has a very strong opinion on Jed York. Do you really think that this six-year deal has much of a chance of lasting six years? What... It, how patient do you think the Niners are really willing to be with these two guys? Um, 
you know, they really took a chance on uh, Chip Kelly last year, a couple years ago. Um, we'll, we'll see. Like, it, it, they seem to really think that they have their guy. But every coach thinks that – I'm sorry, every owner thinks that when they hire their head coach or their GM, they think that they've got the next, you know, uh, the, the next big thing that, oh, he's going to be the next Bill Belichick, you know, anything like that. So we'll have to see what happens. Six years, all signs point to no. I mean, the 49ers haven't won a Super Bowl since, you know, 1994. Um, they've been to one, but, again, they didn't win that one against the Ravens a few years back. Fans, and they've got a big fan base. They're kind of like, you know, as far as, you know, top, probably top five, you'd have to say. Uh, you know, you got that, and their fans are impatient, just like Cowboy fans and um, big fan bases like that. That They want to win. They don't. You know, the 49ers have the second overall pick and have the second worst record, or tied for the worst record in this year's draft or in this year's uh, regular season. But they want to win now. You know, if it means that they, you know, go get Watson at quarterback or whoever they end up drafting or if they bring Romo from the Cowboys or, you know, some other veteran, they want to win now. 49er fans, rebuilding is not something that they want to keep hearing. They had Alex Smith as number one overall pick a few years ago. Uh, the, you know, over 10 years ago, and then they brought in Kaepernick, and it looked like he was going to be the next good thing. Look what happened there. He had, you know, two good seasons under him and then just kind of crashed and burned, and it might be his fault. It might be the organization's fault, but they want to win now, so that leash is going to be really short, and I think that, you know, Kyle Shannon and John Lynch know that they've got to do it quickly, and they've got to figure it out soon because that fan base is not going to give them any, oh, give us two or three years to rebuild. No, that fan base wants to win now. Well, really, patience is short in the NFL in general. Mm-hmm. There's really there are only a select few franchises that could be considered patient, mm-hmm. and really only one over the course of more than 20 years, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers, who never really fire their coach. The Patriots have been very patient under Belichick, but they've also been kind of blessed. They haven't really been faced with any of the difficulties that patience might entail under Belichick, so it's been pretty easy for them to be that patient. But beyond those teams, and to their credit in the last few years, the Dallas Cowboys, who were known for being volatile, have kind of settled down and really stuck with Jason Garrett. It seems like the teams that are more patient with their head coaches, they might not win right away, but they have more chance of being consistently good. And I I know you're absolutely right. The NFL is not a sport of patience, and certainly 49ers fans, especially who grew up in the 80s when they were the juggernaut of juggernauts, it would be difficult for them to wait and see. But you have to wait and see in the NFL because it's the only way to not base your entire identity on lottery tickets. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like you said, they were the team in the 80s, and then, you know, even with Steve Young in the 90s, that that was a good football team, and it's not – they are – they're not close. You know, they really are. They are a bad football team. It's not like they were barely losing these games that they were losing, and it's not like one of those things that they're one or two pieces away. Like, even with the Cowboys going 4-12 and last year, you kind of knew if you get a decent quarterback behind the offensive line – if you get decent running back behind the offensive line, they could be something really special. The only thing that was, you know, suspect with the Cowboys was their defense. Their defense kind of showed up this year. They played really well with a bunch of, aside from Sean Lee, a bunch of no names. And um, they were signing players off practice squads that were, you know, uh, turned out to be kind of little hidden gems for the Cowboys. And those big names that they drafted are getting in trouble. You know, Randall Gregory and uh, Lawrence on the defensive line. So, We'll just have to see what happens with that. But, like, the, they were one or two. Everybody kind of knew. Like, the Cowboys went 12-4 and four two years ago and 4-12 and 12 last year. And largely because Romo went down. Dez was hurt a lot much of the year before as well. So that's part of the reason why they did so poorly. But I think Cowboy fans and even the NFL knew, like, oh, if they get a decent quarterback and a decent running back back there, let's see what happens. But with the 49ers, it, it's not as simple as that. It's not, oh, let's go find our Dak Prescott. 
no, your offensive line isn't any good. You don't, you know, Hyde isn't that great of a running back. You don't really have any wide receivers for him to throw the ball to, and all your, you know, star defensive players keep getting arrested and in trouble. So they're just they're kind of becoming what the Cowboys were ten years ago. They're they're in, they're in disarray. They're in, John Lynch's guy's hands full. I, I, that's a job I would not want right now. Is the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers. Well, the thing I think he's got on his plate most of all is having to deal with a volatile organization beyond all that you mentioned they've also had four head this is going to be their fourth head coach in four years mm-hmm. they started with jim harbaugh then they had jim Tomasula, who immediately was gone then they had chip kelly who was probably a bad idea from the get-go yeah and now they're they're preaching patience they're, the long-term deal makes me believe that maybe they've learned their lesson from maybe just firing coaches isn't the way to get to the top. But that also means they're in for the rude awakening that if you're going to be patient, that means you've got to build a long-term team, and that's going to take more than one draft, more than one free agent cycle. And it, it's going to be about incremental improvement, which... In the NFL is a tough thing to sell. Yeah, and how, how are you going to, if you're John Lynch, how are you going to sell free agents to come play for the San Francisco 49ers right now? You know, like if, you know, this was, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, maybe, you know, that's a lot easier to do than trying to do now. You know, back in, uh, you know, 1994 when they won the Super Bowl, they got Deion Sanders. They had Deion Sanders on their team. And, you know, he won a Super Bowl, and then he went to Dallas the very next year and won a Super Bowl with Dallas. They could have gotten those free agents back then. Nowadays, people, you know, Anquan Bolden, you know, like he's – if this was five years ago, I'd be really excited. He's an aging wide receiver now. Let's just call it what it is. They don't know what they're going to do with Kaepernick. Is he going to leave? Whether you agree with what he's doing or not as far as, you know, kneeling during the national anthem or whatnot, it's still a distraction. And not just in that locker room for the 49ers, for the whole NFL. Look at how many teams – either sided with Cap or deliberately, you know, were locking arms and standing and making a point that we are going to stand during the national anthem. You were either for him or against him. There really was no gray area. That's somewhat of a distraction in the locker room, let alone the whole NFL. Do you want to be a part? Do you want somebody like that on your team that is has no problem stating what he believes in, which he absolutely has the right to do, and – going to be, you know, every single week, people are talking to him. They're not talking to him about football. They're not saying, hey, Cap, you threw two interceptions, blah, 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 may have cost. No, it's not about that. It's what did you do before the game when the National Anthem was played? So it's going to be interesting to see if they do keep him or if they just start fresh, if they're just, hey, look, anyone that, you know, it, we'll have to see what Kyle Shanahan does because he's going from having Matt Ryan, who's most likely going to win the MVP, uh, regular season MVP, and then maybe even a Super Bowl. We don't know that yet. That's We'll talk about that later. But he's going from that to either Colin Kaepernick, who has not played well the last few years, or most likely drafting a quarterback in the NFL and starting from scratch, or from the college draft. And if they do decide to move on from Kaepernick, they're going to find themselves in a tough position because it's the easiest thing to say in the NFL, but one of the toughest things to do to say a team needs another quarterback because it makes for real easy analysis. Oh, this team's not good. They could use a better quarterback. Well, that's great, but there's not a quarterback store. Now they happen to have the second pick in the draft. They have a very good opportunity to take who could be a franchise quarterback, but even the second pick in the draft is no guarantee of that. So certainly as football fans outside of the two Super Bowl teams now, one of the hardest things in football is to find that quarterback. And if San Francisco finds themselves on that quest again, that just makes it that much more complicated. Yeah, and one thing that I think is going to be interesting in this year's draft specifically, and you know, not to go back to the Cowboys again, but they had such a great draft last year. They found a hidden gem in Dak Prescott in the fourth round. Um Will, will teams think to themselves, wow, there were seven quarterbacks drafted before Dak Prescott. None of them had a better season than Dak Prescott. Should we maybe fill some needs that we, you know, get some better talent? You know, 49ers need defense too. It's not like, like I said, that, that they're just one or two missing pieces away from, you know, a 12-4 and four season. They, 
I'm interested to see. I almost think that quarterbacks are going to fall in this draft because of Dak Prescott. That they that teams will go more for the sure thing than you know reaching for Christian Ponder in the first round or you know Manuel in the first round, anything like that. So I'm interested to see in this year's draft if quarterbacks do drop because of the Dak Prescott effect. That you know we don't have to get it in the first, like you said, second round just because you draft or second overall pick just because you draft a quarterback there doesn't mean he's going to be anything special. It just means that you need a quarterback and you decide to go that route and you're really throwing them to the wolves. Now, quarterbacks are becoming more prepared now than ever when they're coming into the NFL, but still that speed is so different. You know, every every rookie talks about how the NFL is so much faster than the college level. So it'll be interesting to see if quarterback, if teams decide to go with maybe more of a sure thing, like maybe as sure thing as you can get, maybe like a defensive stud, you know, defensive lineman that, look, we know this guy has the size. He's going to be able to pressure the quarterback. He'll take off an extra quarter second to half a second each game that the quarterback did have last year to throw against the 49ers. He'll take that time off, so he's rushed a little bit more. Um, or do they decide, hey, you know what, we we really – quarterbacks are what make this league. It's a throw, passing league. Let's just draft our quarterback and see what we can do. And Kyle Shanahan, you know, it's not like he did that quickly with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's been in the league for a while now, and he's just now kind of hit his stride. Absolutely. You know, a passing game is about the most team-oriented thing in sports. You really can't complete a pass without people blocking for you, without someone getting open, and then someone has to catch the ball. So, it, yes, the quarterback is obviously such an important position, but you need to put that quarterback in the position to succeed. And you keep going back to the Cowboys, I think it's obvious why Dak Prescott hit because the Cowboys had a team that put Dak Prescott in a position to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the 49ers have a team that would put a first-year quarterback in a position to succeed, especially given he would be under a first-year head coach and a first-year general manager. That almost seems like a science experiment more than a football team. Yeah, and it's yeah, that's a great metaphor. That, you know, it could explode. You know, it it could explode in a good way or a bad way. It could be, you know, young, you know, a new head coach with a new quarterback, a new GM, kind of just everything kind of happening at the same time. But history points to that not being successful, um, especially with John Lynch not having any, you know, front office experience. We'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Um, y- these young quarterbacks put, get put so much, especially one good thing that the NFL did a few years ago, which I was screaming for all along, was I thought it was unbelievable that Sam Bradford was making more money than Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in his rookie year. And they finally fixed that, that because the teams were put so much pressure to start these guys because they're not going to pay them $55 million guaranteed to hold a clipboard and learn the game. They have to be put in there right away. So at least with them making about 4 or $5 million starting out, a year, um, they're not putting as much, you know, pressure to throw them, you know, to the wolves and throw them out there, and it just it could kill someone's confidence. And that's one thing I kind of waited to happen with Prescott all year was with the Romo talk. Is Romo going back in? You know, anything like that? And people were talking about during the Green Bay game when Dallas was down twenty-one to three. The announcers are saying they need a gunslinger out there, and that's Tony Romo. That would kill his confidence. Like, what? Guy got you twelve and four. They could have been 13-3, but they sat their stars against the Eagles in the last game. It just that you, you these kids are so born, you know, they're 20. I think we forget how young they are. They're 22. Think back, you know, when we were 22, you know, you get your feelings hurt, you know. It's gonna you, you're everybody's you know critic, and you look at me. I didn't play in the NFL, and I'm here criticizing, you know, Anquan Bolden, you know. So it just I, I understand where they're where they're coming from. That I think that the quarterbacks um you just don't want to you don't want to throw them out there like you said the 49ers they don't have an offense line they don't have anyone that's gonna you know a playmaker to help this young kid or even a mentor out there to help this young kid he's gonna get you know sacked he's gonna throw interceptions he's gonna have terrible games so we'll just see we'll have to see what they end up going with in the draft yeah and as quarterbacks need to develop i think that's a good chance to switch gears because i don't think there's a better example of how quarterbacks can develop than this Super Bowl. You have Tom Brady, who was drafted to be a backup. 
not just drafted as a backup, he was drafted to be a long-term backup. And now he's arguably the greatest quarterback that ever played the game, or at least the most successful. Mm -hmm. And he's going up against Matt Ryan, who was a high draft pick, started in his rookie year, had a lot on his shoulders, but was never really considered an MVP-level player until about December of 2016 we realized he probably is the MVP of this regular season. So has Matt Ryan's development been gradual, or did it really happen as quickly as we think, where just suddenly everything clicked this year? No, I think it was gradual. Um, if you look at, like, you know, just fantasy football, for instance, if you had Matt Ryan, you kind of knew, okay, he'll be good for the first five weeks. This past year, I got Matt Ryan on the waiver wire in a 12-man league week four because people just kind of knew he was going to fall off, and he ended up being the number one, you know, quarterback in fantasy football uh, as far as my scoring goes. But just things like that, everybody told me when I picked him up. They were like, ah, he's – He's just wait for it. And it, he's one of those players that start really hot, you know, early in the season. And then as the season goes on, it's just, you know, his defense has never really been that good either. They've always been allowing a lot of points. So it's almost a shootout every single time. And, you know, Matt Ryan's going to win some and he's going to lose some. But this year, the defense has played a little bit better. You know, they're not the, you know, Seattle Seahawks or even the New England Patriots or anything like that. But they play a little bit better to give him a little bit more breathing room to succeed. Yeah, just sometimes takes – you know, plus Julio Jones has hurt a lot. When you have your best receiver go down and you have to try to make it work with these players or these wide receivers that you know aren't Julio Jones, that's tough to go in because you're just throwing your hands up sometimes and just go, look, I'm trying out here. I'm doing my best. And, you know, what also helps Matt Ryan too is he's finally got a running game. He's got two running backs that not only can run the ball, but they can catch the ball in the flat and do some great things once they have the ball in their hands in the open field. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the running game has really opened him up. And I'd say another thing about his receivers that has helped him a lot this year is that the supporting cast outside of Jones has really come a long way this year. That Mohamed Sanu has been almost yep. a breakout player in his own right. And I would love to give a little bit of credit to their wide receiver coach, Raheem Morris, of all people. Their wide receiver coach former defensive coordinator and head coach, now coaching wide receivers. But they've done a great job helping out Matt Ryan. He's got great blocking, and that's that helps the run game, that helps the pass game. That really is the key that unlocks everyone's great offenses. If you have to have a great offensive line. You have to protect the quarterback. Yeah, and um, the you know these last few games when you you know when you look at what the Falcons have been able to do, um, you know any you know just in just these playoffs in general, there was one good playoff game this whole playoffs, and that was the Cowboys Packers. And in the second midway through the second quarter, it was twenty one to three. The rest of them have been uh, the rest of them have been blowouts and you know two score games. They have not been close. So. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what's going on like with this Super Bowl because the what the Falcons have been able to do these last few they beat the Packers you know 44 to 21 they beat the Seahawks the week before 36 to 20 and then you look at you know what they've done before that you know they played the Saints they beat the Saints by you know six points that was kind of a shootout last last game uh, last regular season game they weren't playing a lot of their uh, you know Julio Jones sat that game out you know rest for the playoffs by then they already had the number two seed so it, you know it was irrelevant whether or not they won that game. They've just been blowing a lot of teams out. And when you look at the last time that they had a close game was when they lost December 4th against the Chiefs. They lost by one point. You know, that's been over a month, um, been six weeks, no less, almost two months. And then the Patriots are the same thing. I think that the Super Bowl is really interesting because neither team has had to face adversity anytime, like recently. Anytime. So, what can we all know what Tom Brady can do in the Super Bowl? We've seen it. He can do the two minute drill. Can Matt Ryan do a two minute drill? in a huge, you know, the biggest stage under all the lights. It's going to be interesting to see in the Super Bowl if it's not a blowout and it's close. What is Matt Ryan going to be able to do in a two-minute drill when he needs his players to step up, when he needs to step up, when he's got Bill Belichick throwing different defensive looks at him constantly to try to keep him guessing? 
and that's that's a good place to launch off on any Patriots talk we have. We're we're going to be giving because Bill Belichick, you know, most coaches, however they coach their first year is the way they end up coaching for the rest of their career. Their defense is the only defense they run. Their offense is the only offense they run. Bill Belichick has employed at least three different defenses just as the coach of the Patriots. And this is a whole new one. He always comes up with a new scheme. He's got something else in mind. He's he's an innovator and a tweaker. And you don't see a lot of coaches that are willing to tweak their own designs that much. I think that's a really unique thing. I think that's a big reason the Patriots have been on top as long as they've been on top. And I, that's the, the thing the Falcons have to face that they haven't faced all year is someone willing to do something that they might not have seen on game film because the Patriots might not have done it yet, but they're certainly going to be planning to do it Sunday. And that's, that's the only team I can think of, not just now, but in my lifetime that could pull that trick. Yeah. And what you look at what they did this past year, you know, that, you know, you know, with Tom Brady being suspended and going three and one in those four games, with you know a second and a third string quarterback is just you know unbelievable in itself and then you look at their defense at the beginning of the year chandler jones is in a contract year they know he's going to ask for a lot of money he's been outstanding for them at the defensive position they trade him right away you're like whoa whoa they, they trade one of their big playmakers on defense ah uh, it's all good though they've got jamie collins nah they trade him halfway through the year too and then you're just looking and i'm talking to all my friends that are patriot fans i'm like what are you guys doing? Like Tom Brady, like he's great. Don't get me wrong, but you're asking him to put up 40 points every single game now because you're trading all of your defensive playmakers. And all of them just said the same thing, you know, and Bill, we trust. Like they're not even, it must be nice to be a fan, to be a you know, a fan of the Patriots because you just know everything's going to be fine. It's a, we'll trade two of our best defensive players and we'll be perfectly fine. And you look at the Patriots defense, how they played. They played really well this year. Uh, they, you know, allowed 17 points to Steelers, but that game was never really close. 16 to the Texans, again, not close. Dolphins, 14 points. Jets, 3 points. Broncos, 3 points. Ravens, 23 points. Rams, 10 points. You look at all, they're not allowing, you know, they're playing very, very well, and they're not allowing the teams to even come close to what the Patriots are doing offensively. And they're doing it with, you know, kind of, there aren't really any superstars on that defense. And Bill Belichick, he just, you gotta give it to him for him to be able to do that and not have to dish out, you know, Richard Sherman money to any of his defensive players that, you know, they're all, you know, none of them are poor, but it's not like any of them are the highest paid at their position. Yeah. You used to hear the phrase, the Patriot way a lot, which was, it's meant a lot of things over the years, but the main thing I always hear that it means is that no one person is so important that the Patriots can operate without them. Now, we can all think of one person that's probably so important that even Bill Belichick might not be able to win a Super Bowl without him, and that's Tom Brady. But even people who follow the Patriots expect that one of these days when Tom Brady, if he wants to play and he's getting a little old, the Patriots might do the same thing to him that they did to Jamie Collins. That's so unbelievable to fans because... Why would they do that to someone who's such an institution? But I don't think to anyone in the Patriots organization it would it would be at all offensive or even out of the norm. That that really is how they operate, that the system is the system. And we love to throw around the phrase system in football as almost a pejorative. That if a guy's a system quarterback, well that just means someone came up with a system and he's not really all that good, but I've never really seen it that way. Everything yeah. works as a team in the NFL. You have to bring everything together and you can have a great system, but you still need someone to execute it and vice versa. You can have a guy that has the talent in the world, but if you don't know how to use it, good luck to you. Yeah, I agree. And that that talk about the Patriot way and, you know, it, could we see in three or four years, can we see Tom Brady get cut or traded? <clears throat> to think that the 
the Patriots wouldn't trade him to a team that, I mean, even an old Tom Brady, there's teams out there that would throw a first-round pick, a second-round pick to get Tom Brady just for two or three years, um, the, the tail end of his career. And everybody would be saying how they, Given what Sam Bradford got in the trade, I think Tom it's, Brady would get a team's entire draft or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's crazy that we're talking about it, but it can it can happen, like absolutely. And the only person that everybody, on the media, everybody, teammates, people in the NFL, all oh, Tom Brady deserves better than this. I can hear it now, but I'm sure Tom Brady would just say, you know, that's it's it's business and it's not personal, and we'll just have to see. Yeah, that I can't wait if it does happen to see what happens. You know, like if that does happen, if Tom Brady does go to another team and play for another team in his career, it's just gonna be crazy. You're absolutely right that maybe it's Jimmy, maybe Jimmy's sitting behind him, and that they see, oh, you know, Jimmy's getting his talent is up there, and we'll just remember Ryan Mallett was supposed to be Tom Brady's successor, and it's just. He's gone now. They just keep on drafting quarterbacks in the second or third round just to sit behind Brady and learn behind Brady, kind of like how Aaron Rodgers learned behind Favre, although Favre didn't really help him any. And I don't know how much Tom Brady's helping his quarterbacks because the bottom line is they're gunning for his job. So it's not Tom Brady's job to make this Patriots successful later after he's gone. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens with with Brady. I mean, let's face it. He's not as, you know – He's not close to being done, I don't think. I mean, he just – when you watch him play, it's just a thing of beauty. It's just he, – his reads, his, you know, composure in the pocket, he's not close. He still has a few years left on him. No, his age at this point almost looks like a statistic more than anything else. You, it, you look at it, and he's really close in age to where Peyton Manning was last year, but they don't look like the same – they don't look like they come from the same planet in terms of what Manning looked like last year and on, on his last legs versus Brady, who looks like he could play another five years like this. Yeah, he's uh, he's done a really good job over the years of, you know, Tom Brady, something that he, he doesn't really get hit a lot. And for not having an offensive line, that just shows for not never really having that great of an offensive line. I think that just shows that. He knows his, you know, awareness, his anticipation of when the hit's coming. He knows how to get rid of it. He knows, you know, he knows what the defense is doing before the defense knows what the defense is doing. Um, so he's making his reads, and he's able to, you know, check down. If he sees what's coming, he's just going to hand the ball off and have the running back run right past him. He just, uh, I think that that show that is um, one of his, you know, strengths is he his ability to take care of himself and stay healthy. Of course, he got hurt that one year um, with the low hit on the knee, but, Aside from that, you know, Tom Brady does it, whereas Peyton Manning was getting hit a lot, and he was somebody that makes great reads and stuff too, but he held on to the ball maybe just half a second longer than Brady did, and, you know, those hits add up over time. Certainly, and and, and to your point about the many people who have come in to back up Tom Brady, they went 11-5 and five with Matt Castle <laughs> that year. Which I, I don't know if you can... Football experts could write five books and not explain that one. Yeah, um, if you made a movie about it, people would say that's fake and that's that would never happen. And if you were to have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time go down, and then some kid undrafted, he was a backup in college, comes in and takes that team to an 11-5 season, people would look at that movie and just be like that. That would never happen. There's so many stories like that in sports, and that's what makes sports great. Are you can't write it. You know, as cliche as it is, you can't write this stuff. Um, and that's that's a great example is Matt Castle, you know, going in and going in and uh, taking the Patriots to 11-5 season, and then he went off and he made his money in Kansas City and didn't really have any success anywhere after that. The Line the last I checked, and I don't have the updated one, but the last I checked, the Patriots were favored by three points. Now, who knows with Vegas? Who knows with gambling? But I would, I would ask you, do you think that three-point line is based on this season? Do you think it's based on overall? Do you think it's based on who has more fans? Because all of these things do generally play into the point spread. Because you look at this season and you think, well, 
shouldn't Atlanta be favored? But then you've got the track record. You've got everything else. I wonder if this is otherwise a dead-even game other than the Patriots have more fans, so they probably have more money. Um, uh, You're right. I just looked up the spread. It is still uh, Patriots favored by three. The over-under listed at 58 and a half. Um, yeah, I think that Vegas and people that are trying to make this spread – you know, they kind of look at Super Bowls, and a lot of them are pretty close, uh, especially ones that the Patriots are involved in. So I think that they do kind of look at the track record of the Patriot games and them winning by field goals and stuff like that, last-second field goals. And the fact that they're not playing the Giants, I think that they're feeling Vegas is feeling pretty good that the Patriots are going to find a way to win this game. And uh, they look at, you know, offensive pa- you know powerhouses, how lots of times they don't show up in the Super Bowl as much. Like even look at the, you know, the Rams. They barely beat the Tennessee Titans. They, you know, they won by a yard, and they, you know, were the greatest show on turf. And then you've got them coming back the very next year and lose, losing to some kid named Tom Brady. So, um, and it just looked like that offense, uh, that offense was unstoppable, much like the Falcons do now. You just look, the Falcons, like we were talking about, it hasn't been like just, you know. It's been very gradual, you know, like nobody was really even talking about them until December when you realize, you're like, oh, my gosh, look at what this offense is doing. They're really clicking. They're firing on all cylinders. Um, no one could stop Julio Jones. Uh, it, it just – but then when you look at how these offensive teams do in the Super Bowl, a lot of times all it takes is you just say, all right, we'll just take Julio Jones out of it. Let's let them beat us with anyone but Julio Jones. And you look at what the Patriots have done these last few weeks. Hogan coming out of nowhere. You know, the new Wes Welker. You know, just the guy that – two touchdowns in the uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC Championship. Bill Belichick just finds these hidden gems, and he'll break them out, you know, late in the season. And now, you know, as if the Falcons weren't thinking they had enough trouble with the Patriots. You know, now, you know, oh, they don't have Gronk. We'll be okay. Oh, now there's this kid Hogan that Tom Brady just keeps looking at, and he's doing some great things once he gets the ball in his hands. I think this game might come down to the running games, because like you said, Atlanta has the best running game they've had since they've had Matt Ryan, and that's part of what's propelled them to this new level where they're, you mentioned the greatest show on turf, Atlanta's kind of comparable to that team. Mm -hmm. So you've got that working in Atlanta's favor, but, then you've got New England, who has a three-headed rushing attack. Mm-hmm. And Garrett Blunt, who can really pound it up the middle. And then they have a couple of speed backs who can beat you that way as well. They, I think this team, or this game will be decided because both quarterbacks are excellent. Both passing games are excellent. But it will come down to who's able to move the ball on the ground to set that pass up a little more. Because both are really good when the run sets up the pass. Very few quarterbacks are better at play action than Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more options Tom Brady has, the more things he has to destroy you with. So I, I really think that's what it'll come down to. Who moves the ball on the ground is who wins this game. Yeah, that's a good point. And that play action, yeah, it, like you said, it's about both quarterbacks. You know, Matt Ryan's great at that, as is Tom Brady. Not as great when he doesn't have Gronk because so many times Gronk just, you know, runs up the – does a little, you know, slant up the middle on the play action. He's just open all the time. But, uh, you know, he, he's still – both quarterbacks can make that play action, you know, keep the defense guessing, and uh, it should set up some scoring opportunities for both teams. Um, three points though. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Do you do you see this being a close game, or I mean, with the with the you know the playoffs so far? Like I said, the Packers Cowboys game was the only one that was even close. So if we're looking at this season, this game this game really does have a blowout written all over it, with either team being able to blow the other team out. It, it's fun. well, they certainly both have the ability to blow each other out. It's funny. I remember talking during the baseball playoffs right before game seven of the world series and having a similar conversation about how that playoffs had been not particularly entertaining. The games weren't particularly close. Everyone ran away with everything. And then suddenly we had one of the greatest baseball games ever played in game seven of the world series. So 
I wonder if this is just setting the stage for an extremely memorable Super Bowl. And something that I, I want to draw back to is, again, I really think that this Atlanta Falcons team, their best historical comparison is the greatest show on turf. And what a bookend it would be for the New England Patriots, who started off as 14-point underdogs in Super Bowl 36, coming out of the tunnel as a team to try and take on the greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner and the and Marshall Falk and, and the Rams. And they pulled that upset, and now they're kind of facing the next thing. So... Either way this game goes, it's such an appropriate bookend. Either maybe the Patriots win their fifth title against a team that's almost the same way that they won their first, or maybe they pass the torch to a team that is finally worthy. Maybe maybe this is the team that proves, well, now it's time now the Patriots dynasty as such is starting to come to an end, even though it seems like they're going to be in the AFC championship game every year until Bill Belichick and Tom Brady decide to quit. Um, You know, maybe this is the passing of the torch, not necessarily to the Falcons, but to the rest of the league as a whole, the field, if you will. Or maybe it's just, it's the, like I said, the bookend. Yeah, it's, I just I can't wait to see it unfold. I think that that first quarter is going to be crucial and kind of set the tone for the game. The you know both teams are a team that like to get ahead early, so it's going to be interesting to see if it is a dogfight, like you said, like it very well could be, or is it going to be fourteen to nothing after the first quarter with either team winning, or how how is either team going to respond to that? Are if the Falcons pull ahead fourteen nothing, are they going to keep throwing the ball on that defense, or are they going to try to run it a little bit more and keep Tom Brady off the field? If the Patriots are up fourteen nothing, same scenario. Are you know is Tom Brady going to keep passing the ball, or is he going to give it to that three-headed monster of a running attack that they have? Um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I can't wait. One um, thing that we haven't really touched on that I was going to bring up is uh, Dan Quinn. Uh, what a outstanding job he's done taking over for the Falcons, finally getting everything out of Matt Ryan that he needed and improving that defense just enough to get them to this point. And he's seen Bill Belichick before. What's Second the, year as a head coach. Exactly. He, and he's seen Bill Belichick in the biggest stage in the Super Bowl before. Uh, not as a head coach, but as a you know defensive coordinator. Um, you know, like you were saying, Bill Belichick's constantly changing up. I mean, let alone after a few years, he's definitely changed up weekly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if that has anything, you know, he, he, look, he's, he's been there. He won a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator. Is he going to be able to get the most out of his players since he does have that experience this whole week? This whole week is so crazy, you know, with media day and everything that the, the distractions, everything that the, these teams can, you know, that they have to go through this week leading up to the game, let alone prepare and study the game, you know, who, their opponents. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he prepares this team for the Super Bowl, uh, you know, the biggest stage possible. Okay, before we before we go, I'd like to get a couple of predictions in from you. Um, one of them is you mentioned the over under. It's the highest in the history of the Super Bowl. Obviously, for good reason. So, do we hit the over? I don't think so. No, I don't think we hit the over. Um, Nerves, I think, play into this game a lot. Um, teams aren't as comfortable as they normally are. Um, I mean, look at the Patriots, you know, going against the Giants the first time in the Super Bowl. You know, you had Randy Moss, and that team scored 14 points. Uh, it just – weird things happen on the Super Bowl. I just – I don't see the teams combined for 58 and a half. Uh, what about you? I, I kind of do because I can actually see this – the best game I can imagine is an absolute shootout. <laughs> I, I really think the only way this is a close game, the only way this approaches overtime, mm-hmm. is if they just trade touchdown for touchdown all the way to the end, which is not necessarily the most likely scenario because we're not giving these defenses enough credit if you expect a blowout, if you expect a shootout. You, you're, these are both very good defenses. They've just been overshadowed by great offenses. So I, I don't think that it could be that high, but I would take the over. 
because, well, let's face it, I'm rooting for it. So <laughs> not so much that I really think it's going to yeah. happen, but I want it to. <laughs> yeah, especially with last year's Super Bowl um, being more of a defensive chess match between, you know, uh, the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, a lot of three and outs, punts, you know, stuff like that. So maybe we're due. Maybe we're due for that shootout. And I'd love to see it. I would. I would love to see final score be 42 to 45. You know, not even just over the, you know, 58 and a half. I want to see it hit 80. You know, I want to see, I want to see a shootout. I don't want to see a defensive chess match. Um, we saw that last year. We're due for a shootout. I, I agree on that point, certainly. So I guess I, I guess I would leave you with this. Who are you, who are you taking? You know, my, my head, I know you're out of Boston. My, my, my heart's telling me that this is Matt Ryan's year. And um, with Julio Jones, you know, Malcolm Butler challenging Julio Jones, be careful what you wish for. Um, and that, you know, them running the ball. The one thing that we haven't seen them really do is constantly run the ball, like pound it to keep because they are having so, so much success. You know, Matt Ryan's completing a lot of passes. So that clock is still running, even though they're not running the ball. So that's something that they are that they do a really good job of is keeping the opposing quarterback off the field. Now they need to do that now more than ever. They do not want Tom Brady on that field, and so. But we haven't seen them just hand the ball off. It's it'll be interesting to see if they try that this game or if they just hey look if it's not broke don't fix it. You know let's just keep doing what we're doing. They're going to be passing the ball a lot and then they'll hand the ball off at every you know every few plays. Uh, but my head you know. My heart's telling me go, you know, with the new blood that this is kind of not really passing the torch because Tom Brady, like we said, he's not going anywhere. But you just this is a new quarterback that we're going to have to talk about now um, in elite, which I hate those discussions, elite quarterbacks, because there's the elite means there's only like three in my mind. And is Matt Ryan going to be one of those top ship quarterbacks now? But yeah, I can't. Like, who do you have to bump off the list just so Matt exactly. Ryan can get on it? I, exactly. I don't. I come from marketing, so buzzwords like elite quarterback just develop Rub a change with me. Like, yeah, that, yes. that comes from an advertising agency. <laughs> I'm not even in marketing. I can't stand it. It's just even look at Joe Flacco. Nobody stepped up bigger a few years back um, than him winning a Super Bowl in his contract year and getting paid. And then they're talking about him elite. He's the highest paid quarterback. He's not elite. Like, it's just in first of all he even having this discussion like elite honestly means to me maybe three quarterbacks but i'm talking about the number one and number two which number one is tom brady number two he just can make cases for aaron Rodgers, even though he just lost last week is he better if you were to start a franchise right now do you want aaron Rodgers or do you want matt ryan you know so it's tough but that's a whole nother discussion <laughs> um super bowl I, my i can't bet against bill belichick i just he's He's got it figured out. And him and I think Tom Brady playing angry, which he's been playing all season. Um, you saw that fire, even against the Texans when Clowney hit him. I don't really think it was a late hit, but Tom Brady was getting up. Like, you could tell. He, they were winning that game, you know, and he still wants everything to go perfectly, how he thought it was going to go when he called the play in the huddle. Um, so, yeah, I have I have the Patriots. Um I just I can't bet against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in these big games, and I think that they kind of want to stick it to Roger Goodell over suspending him for four games. Yeah, I I think that last point is certainly true. And one thing I know about the Patriots, living where I do, is that they will find any and every angle to mm -hmm. say that they're not respected enough, even though they're the ranking dynasty mm -hmm. in the NFL. They have a coach that's regarded as one of the best ever. They have a quarterback who's in that same discussion for greatest that ever played. But yet, if you ask the Patriots, they're always disrespected. They're always someone's got it out for them. To the point that I honestly believe that if another local Boston team takes the sports page headlines away from them, they get angry. Mm-hmm. If it can be that small, then anything that is said this week could be fuel for the Patriots. It, it's like their secret. They've really managed to figure that out in a way that everyone likes to say nobody believes in us, but nobody believes it like the Patriots. Thank you very much for joining me today, Greg. 
Enjoy uh, the Super Bowl. Anything else to plug? What What's your social media? How can people follow you on Twitter? How can people find you? And um, also, if you're into MMA, please do not do not forget that Greg also writes extensively about UFC for for us here at Sports Talk Florida. Yeah, um, yeah. Social media at Greg underscore La Fountain, and it's just L A and Fountain. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I write uh, Sports Talk Florida uh, about NFL, and uh, like Tim said, a uh, lot of lot of MMA stuff on there too. So if you're interested in MMA, uh, try to write a lot of stuff. We got a UFC fight night going on this weekend. Um, so that. Decent card. I'm not going to say that's great. It's a free free card on Fox Sports One, so uh, make sure that you tune in that if you do have Fox Sports One. And uh, next weekend, the February 11th is uh, UFC 208. It's uh, for the 145 pound women's featherweight title. First time that they've ever had women fight in the UFC at 145 pounds. Holly Holm is fighting uh, Jermaine Randomine, still trying to figure out how you say her name there. <laughs> and then Anderson Silva, uh, some of you old school fans may, uh, want to tune in. He is fighting Derek Brunson in the co-main event of that fight. And that's in uh, Brooklyn, New York. I'll tell you what, since MMA has been made legal in New York, they've already had two fight cards there and they've now they're having a third and it just became legal a few months ago. So they're going to New York, uh, extensively to, uh, you know, give the fans everything that they've missed these last few years that the UFC has been uh, really popping. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Greg LaFountain. This is Tim Williams. This has been the pickup game. You can follow me at Tim Wright sports on Twitter. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the weekend. If you're up North, enjoy the bean pot next week. Go Northeastern. <laughs> and, um, Best of luck to John Lynch getting into the Hall of Fame. We certainly are rooting for him. I, I know I am. Have a great week. <laughs>